Hello everybody and welcome back to another episode of Lepak Gurus with Shabir and Ija. What is up everyone? Alright everyone, so today we're going to talk about a very important topic which is mental health and to join us to talk about this topic today is a psychologist who recently did her master's in clinical psychology and has a mental health Instagram account known as Pocket of Care. Uh, please welcome Amanda Xavier. It's good to have you on. So, uh, how's everybody doing today, Elijah? How are you doing? How am I doing? Mm, everything is going alright on my side. I mean, I mean, what can I say? I'm stuck at home. Uni is doing alright. I'm pretty much... My, my course has been stacking up. And yeah, I guess that's what's been going on for me. And how are y'all doing? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Uh, same coursework stacking up. Uh, but I'm excited to do this podcast today because we've been looking forward to. We've been actually been planning to do uh, an episode solely dedicated to mental health since season one. So it's very good to have uh, you on today, Amanda. So how are you doing? What's going on with you? Great. I think um, this week has been quite chill for me. So having this to wrap up the end of the week is just perfect. That's very good to hear. All right, so let's let's dive in. So the first question we have for you is something that I think I've struggled with a lot. I am not sure if this is uh, not more common for people, but you know, I tend to see that people tend to tie their self worth to like a single defining trait or something that they're really good at, like sports or studies, and then when they face like a big disappointment or you know, something very negative in that area, they fall into like a pit of, you know, just negativity. So why do people do that? Like, why is that a very normal thing? Uh, Well, you're right. It is a very normal thing. And probably because we were all raised to sort of view our achievements as our soul, um, uh, something that defines our worth, right? Like our parents would tell us to get good grades and, as kids, you know, we'll automatically assume that having good grades means that our parents love us more, you know. Um, so it's quite common to feel that way. But you're right that when we tie our self-worth to something based on achievement or performance, it doesn't always end up well because you could face failure in that area and that just drags down your self-worth um, and your uh, even your self-confidence, self-esteem, and everything else because you've tied your personality or your worth to this one thing. Do you think people are aware that they, that they do this, that they, are, they base their whole personality or their whole identity on that one single defining trait? And if somebody isn't aware, is it possible for them to like, become aware of this through their own kind of like, self-discovery? that um, it depends on the person if they're aware but I would say that most of our Malaysian youth are not aware but yes you can definitely increase awareness and actually figure out how to untie your self-worth from this one factor of achievement uh, through you know even self-reflection self-help books or even counseling or therapy if you feel like you need that I swear all, all this, like having the single defining trait which ties up to yourself, definitely trails back all the way to 
like what primary school or even kindergarten itself where taking this for example let's say if you are like a top a star student in class and yeah you have that that name that surrounds your that surrounds yourself which you are like the smartest student you're the brightest student and you're bound to like to achieve the best like an a star grade for example and there are times where let's say like if things go wrong which is pretty normal and you don't actually achieve the grades you wanted and everybody will have like that look on you like that the fear of judgment or like that fear of like not able to live up your name and it's actually quite scary to actually see that yeah i agree i mean as myself when i was growing up uh i had this unrealistic expectation of myself as the um quote unquote smartest one in the family uh and that was throughout my primary school years where you know i would be number 1 in class or i had always have like straight a's and so on and then once i went into high school you know it's it's a different world because sometimes there's new subjects and there's smarter people mm-hmm. that really crushed me because i then realized that hey maybe i'm not as smart as i thought or as smart as my my parents thought and for me that was just one um experience that i had to live with for a while and eventually unravel when i was in my 20s uh because that brought me down so much that i began to procrastinate on stuff because i thought hey if i procrastinate and i get bad scores at least it doesn't reflect um my actual intelligence because i'm not actually trying you know what i mean oh mm-hmm. wow That's... yeah so i had to live with that procrastination for a really long time uh, actually until i did my degree in psychology um so but to answer your question there like uh you're right lisa it it happens and it really just drags you down because you not only are you scared of people judging you but you probably have your own uh self criticism that is even harsher than what people actually say about you yeah wow i mm. mean they always people always say like your biggest um rival or biggest you know challenge in becoming you know a better version of yourself is yourself but you also i feel like we also can't um discredit the amount of pressure we feel from the judgment of other people so how can i think this is something that i struggle with a lot which is like you know not doing something or not putting myself out there because i'm scared of being judged by other people like even with starting this podcast i had like reservations with you know because like it was going to be on a public platform people were going to listen to my voice and all those kind of things so right. yeah. how like for me i just i just like blocked it out of my head and I was like it's okay I'm just going to do this podcast I'm going to pretend like nobody's listening to it so I don't feel so insecure about it because I don't want to get that that judgment but how can we deal with people's judgment in a healthy way and so that it doesn't affect us but we can pro- like take it as constructive criticism if it is constructive cr- criticism terrific question actually because in my uh in my line of work This is something that I deal with uh, in terms of dealing with my clients probably on a day-to-day basis because we have something called core beliefs and this is based on the CBT approach cognitive behavioral therapy we have something mm-hmm. called core beliefs that sort of govern the way we look at ourselves uh, people around us and the world um and if one of your 
uh, when, like you said earlier, your self-worth is tied to an achievement, right? Achievement status or performance. It, we have to go back into some of these core beliefs such as I'm not good enough or I'm unworthy or I'm a failure and start to unravel that belief itself. Mm. When we, um, I mean, it's, it's great that Shabir, you have taken that step and started this podcast, even though eventually, uh, initially you were quite scared to do it. Um, but I wonder if going back into why you had the insecurity in the first mm. place because you probably have tied success of the podcast to your worth could be something worth looking into first rather than um, saying that I hope nobody listens to me. I mean, I, I don't mean to sound like a, like a therapist right now, but um, that's what I'm saying. Like that, that is something that we can do because we all have this awareness. We all have, you know, this, this will, this willpower to look within, find out what we believe about ourselves, such as, do I think I'm only a good person if I succeed in school and that means straight A's? Or am I a good person because I just believe that I'm a good person? And that is something that's, um, that's a way, I guess, to unravel the uh, twisted thinking of achievement being our self-worth, uh, being the definition of our self-worth. Yeah, I mean, when you said... Um the way that I tied my self-worth to the success of the podcast, that's, okay, that hit me a little different. So I'll definitely I'm sorry. Be... <laughs> no, no, it's fine. It's fine. It's good. It's good. This is like, this is good to hear. I mean, definitely. Uh, I'll be thinking about that, like doing a lot of reflecting on that. So <laughs> I will feel less insecure about, you know, being out there. But thank you very much. Right. right. But if I could add something to that, um, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm not sure how many therapists uh, or psychologists uh, adopt this concept but I find it super important self-compassion mm -hmm. because sometimes when we try to you know unravel these things like the self-criticism the um, self-worth based on achievement it's not easy uh, it, sometimes we even try to unravel it but then we tie it to something else such as how far we progress in therapy you know how much self-help books do I read and that makes me a better person and that's exactly the same thing. But if we have self-compassion, it's sort of just being kind to yourself, knowing that even though you have flaws, even though you have experienced failures in life, it doesn't mean that that is your truth. It doesn't mean that is your value. You can always experience failure again and again. But if you're self-compassionate, you can pick yourself up each time and still be happy with who you are that's a really great take that is <laughs> okay this 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 episode has come to of like a very motivational slash kind of depressing episode date where it kind of hit me <laughs> as well i'm just sitting here and like oh okay i'm starting to reflecting on like bits of bits of my life now i i'm glad i'm um providing some insight i guess <laughs> but it's great it's great like i, I do enjoy listening to it all right Moving on to the next question, let's go move on, moving on to the lighter question. So this may come like unexpected for you. This question I'd like to ask, is psychology or personality traits connected one way to another to astrology? 
and you I'm, I'm pretty sure you're familiar with the whole world of astrology uh, the signs the stars the gemini aquarius all, all the stuff the sun the moon right, like right. Does, does being a certain star sign affect your personality in a way okay that is a very philosophical question <laughs> um the thing about any sort of um personality um quiz i would say and astrology is included because you know you look up your star sign and then you read about all of this and you say, hey, that's me, that's me. I can never say 100% that it is or it isn't, right? Because Mm -hmm. you do find truth in it. There are a lot of people who find truth in it and there are also a lot of people who are skeptical about it. Um, But for me personally, I think that there's no harm in linking that to your personality because if you find that looking at your star sign uh, helps you to evolve and develop yourself into becoming a better person, then there's really no harm in that. For example, I'm a Gemini, right? And mm-hmm. I think one of the biggest things about a Gemini is people are saying, you are super social and it's easy for you to make friends, uh, but you're also two-faced, right? Um, <laughs> so for me, I'm like, you know what? I don't agree with either. But then, <laughs> but then I say, but what if I could improve on that? I could come out of my shell more often and become the social Gemini, so to speak. And I could uh, reflect on my life and see, have I actually been, quote unquote, two-faced to people before? Like I say something and then I don't actually mean it. And that reflection actually helped me in realizing that I have done some things like that, you know? So Mm -hmm. with anything like this, like astrology, your zodiac, you know, Chinese zodiac sign and everything. Your star, the moon, the wind, yes, the fire. exactly. Your ascendant, your mercury rising, all those kind of things. I think it's up to you to interpret it in how you want to interpret it. There's nothing wrong with it. If you feel like it works for you, it works for you. Sometimes it's a self-fulfilling prophecy as, as well. Like, you read what you want to believe. You know what I mean? That's, that's really well put. I mean, I've definitely actually done one myself, like, the, I'm sure most of you guys have done it, the Myers-Briggs personality test. And right. it's actually pretty interesting. I feel that, like, doing through the personality test, I feel like there are some traits that definitely reflect on how I am as a person myself. And don't get me wrong, I really do enjoy reading up astrology stuff. And sometimes, like, I, looking at it in, like, in a scientific manner, scientific way, like, in a way that you are kind of, like, confiding or like restricting seven to eight billion people in the world <laughs> to that few stars, based on those few star signs, those astrology, the wind, the fire, your ascendant. And like, does it actually make sense up to a certain point in a way? That's a really good question because like you said, it is, it is pretty restrictive. Any personality test is restrictive, right? Um, Mm -hmm. Like, even for example, take this, because I'm a Harry Potter fan. You want to put, like, a bunch of students and divide them into four houses only, really, based on their traits. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's more to the fact that it doesn't really matter if, um, uh, if it's restrictive, because it's only about what you gain from it, right? If you feel like you need to know yourself better and using your star sign or uh, Myers-Briggs personality test to find that out, 
that's great. You know, all of these self-reflection activities, I would call them, is super helpful because now you know that you're an introvert, for example. And that's why I've been feeling so drained when I go out with friends, right? Or uh, you probably, your, your planet or something falls in the... I'm not so sure about astrology, but I know there's something yeah, about the... Mercury, so. Mercury is in retrograde. That's the one. That's the one. The Mercury is in retrograde. The thing about that is when I recently read it, it is interesting because there have been some scientific research about how the planet's alignment do affect the gravity uh, pool on Earth, right? And even, even how the moon's gravity affects Earth's gravity and the tides and everything, and that ties into our moods as well, mm-hmm. right? So it's, it's really interesting to read up on all these research. Uh, but again, there are also people saying that none of this is true. Mm-hmm. So it's more about I mean, the whole question here is more about if you want to believe it, there's nothing really wrong with it as long as you understand that it's not 100% accurate. Lah. <laughs> you know, like you can use it to define yourself, but it doesn't have to be 100% your personality. You know what I mean? Definitely, there's, there's some truth to behind it, I guess, like in a way that, yeah, you can actually essentially use it to actually work on yourself, like be out of your shell in a way, as you've mentioned. Yeah. But I know some friends of mine that actually go like hardcore with it. Like, <laughs> for example, if if he or she were to met like someone, a potential partner, and if their star signs don't match, then they're gone. <laughs> and it's actually pretty sad to see. Right. And my friends and I, we do like have a conversation about this entire topic where we talk about do we actually believe in star signs, astrology, or whatsoever. And one of my friends actually brought up a, quite a valid point. And I've been thinking about it this whole while as, we've, as we are been talking about this entire thing. And he mentioned about people who tend to believe in astrology, like where they read about like the personality traits, they tend, to, they tend to take the small details in your life and start to like, how would you put it? I'm, I'm trying to figure out a good way to actually put it. They start to in a way that you're actually taking out the small bits, the small details of your life, and you're essentially trying to try to make it relevant to the context of the whole astrology thing. Does it make sense to you? Yeah, yeah. Um, there are some... Uh, a concept in psychology called... I think it's attentional bias, if oh, I'm not yes. mistaken. Yeah. Uh, okay, that, 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 sounds, that sounds all right. That sounds okay. what I'm trying to say. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, <laughs> yeah, where like, um, it's um, something where you don't really see the things that don't make sense, right? But you only focus on the things that do, and that makes you put more trust into it. Um, which is also quite, okay, I don't want to say that it's harmful, but it's not helpful, lah, okay? Mm-hmm. Uh, because when you do this, you do, like, I agree with you, you tend to miss some other signs that things are not exactly aligned. Uh, mm-hmm. it, in some of the, uh, in, in terms of psychology and therapy and mental health, when we have selective attentional biases like this, we tend to look at situations such as, I have five bad experiences and five good experiences, but I'm only going to believe the five bad experiences 
and that means I'm a bad person. And all these five good experiences, they just disappear. I don't want to believe them because they're not aligned with who I am or who I think I am. Um, and that's why it can be quite unhelpful because if this goes on in, in a way that it is self-harming mentally, emotionally, physically, um, that's why it can be harmful. Lah. Instead of um, looking at all the available information and seeing what the, what is the logical, reasonable truth. The best way I would say to sum it up is like, whenever we're happy, we never ask like, oh, why am I happy? But whenever we're sad, we'll sit down and be like, okay, why am I sad? And then we'll just go through all the worst experiences in our life on replay in our head. Right, exactly, exactly. Yeah. So that also, like, you know, uh, when we were talking about basing your like personality on you know personality tests or helping you find yourself through astrology with in the past 10 years um social media has become a huge part of somebody's personality like if whether you're old or young it's it's just there and you use it and through social media people have developed online identities so and most of the time, or quite often, those identities are just false personalities to garner attention, likes, follows, whatever it is they want to garner on social media. So like, how can, especially someone who is young, like, you know, uh, children, teenagers, you know, young adults, how can these people who are very susceptible to, you know, um, a lot of maybe misguided notions how can they use social media healthily this is i think this is something that we do need to focus on a lot more you're right because nowadays it is a part of growing up for children for teenagers right of course maybe for children having their parents restrict the type of social media they consume can be helpful uh, but at the same time we also need to just be more aware that we can educate our kids and our our friends our teenagers that not everything you see is the truth and sometimes like like you see you base uh what you see that like, like you think of that uh, this one instagram account of this person this is them this is their personality and it's great right it's good food it's traveling um lifestyle of the rich and famous but then that person who's viewing this social media would then say, I can never compare up to that. But if we start to implement education and also, I guess, mental health awareness in, in kids and teenagers about the fact that you don't have to reach a certain level or status to be good enough, you are good enough inherently as you are, that would really help because they would have a strong mental boundary when they do consume media like this and they're able to tell themselves like okay fine that that instagram profile is great you know i love following it but i don't have to reach that to be happy i think it's all about education to sum it up i definitely agree with you where when you mentioned the whole part where when someone like a kid or for example when they're pretty much blinded to the whole world of social media and seeing the whole the whole that the whole life of being rich and being you're able to go out and splurge on like luxurious goods and they never tend to like think that they are not good enough in a way and it's kind of 
it's kind of depressing in a way that social media has pretty much portrayed like the good side of life and not the bad side of it. And I don't know, I don't know, I don't know, does this like, is this like relevant or does it make sense or not? But this year, like, yes, definitely taught me to, to pretty much enjoy or pretty much respect the, the smaller achievements of my life where mm. I've never, I've never, I've always turned a blind eye to the things I've done and whether be it, whether be it good, let, let's say like if there was a major achievement that I've actually done, I would always give the, the butt factor. So if, if someone like who to compliment, compliment me that, oh, wow, you're starting up this podcast. That's great. Then I'll go be like, then I'll be like, have the negative mindset in approaching that compliment and go like, but ha ha ha, like this is pretty small and it's not really a huge achievement in life. I'll, I'll turn out, yeah, that's, that's the way, that's the kind of thing that I'll turn a blind eye to and not appreciate the greener side of things. And it's actually pretty depressing. I don't know how is this related, but I kind of one way or another, I thought so. It is actually, and it's great that you're uh, sharing about this because it is very, very common to um, belittle yourself, to be more critical of yourself. Uh, for example, like you said, starting this podcast, but then you said, oh, but it's, you know, it's such a small uh, podcast, and then you laugh it off, right? Mm -hmm. We, I think we as a generation, um, I don't know if we're the same generation, lah. But um, <laughs> we as a generation have sort of learned that self-deprecating jokes are okay, right? Because we, it's a way to humble ourselves. It's a way to not brag or show that we're con too confident, overconfident in our achievements. Yep. But mm -hmm. it has led to a generation of people who self-deprecate and not in a joking way, right? We... It has affected our self-esteem, our, our thoughts on our competency, skills, achievements, and, and all that good stuff, right? So I'm a bit stuck for words here because like, you pointed out something that uh, I'm, I'm still currently in the process of myself to celebrate the small day-to-day -day <clears throat> achievements. Yep. Uh, because like I said, I used to be only focused on that super high achieving uh, success, right? Yep. Mm -hmm. So I'm still in the process of that. Uh, oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, throughout my journey here, like I self-diagnosed myself with a little bit of imposter syndrome while I was doing my master's because everybody I saw there was amazing and great at what they do. And they worked in NGOs and mental health clinics before this. And I'm just coming there fresh out of um, a, a gap year, right? Mm -hmm. So it is super, super important to take a social media break and to celebrate your small achievements because those small achievements build up your own self-confidence and your self-worth. It's so good to romanticize the little things that you do every day, right? To stay in the present instead of wishing for the future or ruminating about the past yeah that's that's i think i think this is something like seeing how both of you struggle i can see like even i struggle with this myself sometimes and i think like one of the most like uh prevalent times where i realized like i wasn't celebrating with my achievements was when 
So when I got my SPM results and like I got like good results, but I just didn't celebrate it. I was just like, oh, okay. Like my mom was celebrating it. My family was celebrating it, but I was just like, oh, okay, cool. Okay. On to the next one. And it was just like that, like, I would never take joy or take pride in like, okay, I actually achieved this. You know, I went through all of it. Like for me, it's just like, okay, on, on to the next big achievement, on to the next big achievement that will give me happiness. And then when I achieve that next thing, it's like that you would expect to get like a certain sense of fulfillment, but for some reason it wasn't just happening for me. And then this past like six months or so, I've just been like sitting down and trying to think of like, okay, what are the small changes that I've been making in my life? And that's kind of like really helped me appreciate my friends more, my achievements more, like this podcast uh, more, like all these things. So definitely sitting down uh, and like telling yourself to really think about like the small steps that you've taken along the way to become better is probably much better than thinking about how many big achievements you have in your life. Uh, that's my personal opinion. That's great, Shabi. I'm so happy for you. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> that's, that's really great. I mean, I've, I've actually seen like the whole Shabi's journey throughout where he, where he pretty much become the, his journey, his route of becoming a better friend. And I'm really happy for him, like really, really happy for him that he's pretty much... I, I don't know what's the word for it, but I pretty much like his pathway to actually find out about himself more. Pretty much, yeah, on his journey to become a better friend. I'm really happy for you. Thanks, man. That's, that's so nice. <laughs> that's, that's... that's such a great reflection between friends. Uh, yeah, I mean, we, we, <laughs> we, do, uh, we do like, a, like recently, we're in a friend group. It's like four of us, um, me, Lijan, and another two people. And so like, the past like I don't know two months we've been we've been doing a lot of self-reflecting as a group so this is kind of like a, a new norm for us which is which is kind of cute when you really think about it but it's also kind of awkward like oh shit yeah I self-reflect <laughs> with my friends no actually that's great you know like group therapy um <laughs> this is what I would call group therapy lah, right it does show results you know because you see other people who are in the same situations or have gone through the same journeys as you guys and you just want to um, reflect and uplift yourself and each person in the group together because you care about them which is why it's awesome all right moving on to the next question speaking of the whole social media thing the whole turning into a blind eye towards the whole the downside of social media and and, and the part where you've mentioned educating children or the younger teens to actually how to properly use social media. But I'm definitely sure it boils down to mental health. As you, I'm sure like definitely we are aware that the older generation, like our parents themselves, they're not really familiar with mental health itself. And I'm sure sometimes they might think depression, depression itself is a hoax and they actually don't believe in the whole ideology of it. So I want to actually ask, how do you actually educate them on, in regards to the whole mental health and pretty much be aware of it in a way? That is an extremely good question because um, that's the whole reason why I started my uh, mental health Instagram, just to supply 
awareness to people. I know that most of my followers are around my age or a bit younger, right? So we're still not reaching the older generation. And the thing about that is more that we need to start implementing mental health awareness into our, um, I would say, you know, wider spread agendas, such as through politics, through, um, you know, what our older people consume, right, in the newspapers or through their friends, connections and everything. Uh, because it's hard to break through to that taboo of uh, mental health for them. Mm-hmm. There are definitely a lot of them who are more uh, open to it right now in this day and age because, you know, it's super accessible with the internet. But there are still some that are pretty in the dark, I would say, about it. Even my own parents, I think before I did my master's, they had a taboo about mental health and it wasn't something that we ever discussed in our own home. Even now, after my master's, I'm a professional clinical psychologist. They don't really believe in therapy, you know? So it's oh, what? My own parents, yeah. But um, I understand as well because when they were growing up, um, it's sort of this, you have to be tough or the world will eat you up, right? Mm-hmm. So if any of them were to admit that they have a mental health issue, it's not only how they feel about themselves, but how they perceive society and their friends, people their age, are going to react to it. Which is, if everyone has that mindset that it's a doggy dog world, you can't be crazy or mentally afflicted, it's, it's even harder for them to express what they feel and to come out about any mental health issues they have because of how um, taboo it is for their generation. So I guess the best way is to make it normal, to normalize it as much as possible. Normalize people talking about therapy, about mental health, about self-care, you know, just keep doing that. I think as us, the youngsters, we got to keep doing that and to keep telling our parents like, you know, it's okay if you feel sad. It's okay if you have a little bit of depression or you're anxious about something you're worried about something that's okay we're here what do you want to talk about yeah exactly um it's okay to feel weak because that's not uh you know it it doesn't mean sorry not weak it's okay to feel vulnerable because that doesn't mean that Mm -hmm. you're weak you know you don't have to equate strength with emotionless (laughs) so it's more about us i guess (laughs) It's what we can do to take up the torch right now. But it's also about putting mental health awareness on a much bigger platform using politics or, yeah, I guess politics would be the biggest one I can think of right now. Mm-hmm. I definitely do agree with you where you talked about how parents in a way that their views and perspective are pretty fixated in a way that their their thoughts, their perspective is like, it's fenced up, that they can't really think, they can't really have like a broader perspective compared to us. And I'll say internet has definitely played a major role in it. And I I wouldn't say I would really like blame them. They've grown up since, I mean, they've grown up since the 1990s. And I'm sure them themselves, like our grandparents, our grandparents pretty much taught them to 
yeah, growing up, you must be strong as a man. You got to be tough. You can't you can't be vulnerable, and it really sucks to let them to to be growing up that way. And I'm really happy that although it's it's still not common, but it's getting more and more common. On it, it should be more normalized that our parents or the older generation should be should be pretty much taking account into mental health itself. And uh, one thing to add to that, right? Um, there's this trend of um, uh, or this concept of intergenerational trauma, right? Where Hmm. from our great-grandparents, let's say, those were the people who lived through wars, right? Mm -hmm. They could have been in wars. They could have been soldiers in wars or they could have been civilians whose countries were affected by it. And then they grew up and they had kids. And if their kids cry, you know, it's more like, you got to toughen up. I was in a war. I'm fine, right? Um, And then that kid grows up um, maybe at the start of the, I would say the industrial age right where like i worked in the mines or i worked on the railroad tracks i worked in the rubber field you got to be strong and then our parents have this mindset of the whole life is just you study start work early build your way up into developing your career and earn enough money Mm -hmm. right i had and then this is the mindset where Look, I went through all this. I never had an issue. You're just growing up. You're just in school. Your life is easy. Why is this such a big deal, right? And then us, we grew up with that um, rhetoric. We grew mm. up with thinking, oh my God, if I cry, I'm weak in my parents' eyes. They were okay. Why am I the one affic- affected, right? Mm-hmm. But it's not that we have different stressors or um, world events right now it's because we've been pushing the same message through generations to the kids that being vulnerable is not okay that having emotions is not okay or it's weak but that's not true at all right and I'm so glad that our generation has sort of risen up a bit more about this and we are addressing mental health, our personal, you know, ingrained traumas from our parents through childhood, what we learned from them, and we're challenging all these beliefs, which is why I guess our generation would be the kickstarter for mental health awareness, because our kids would then grow up with parents who are okay with mental health issues. Mm -hmm. You know, we can now spread a new message which is why I said it's so important for us to develop that awareness and start where we are and then pass that on to generations after us. Yeah. I think, I think a really um, good example I'd say I can think of is like, you know, when, when a kid messes up or falls down and gets hurt and they start crying, I feel sometimes a lot of parents, they will go up to their child and be like, okay, stop crying. Stop crying now. Stop stop crying. You can't cry. Mm-hmm. Good good boys or good girls don't cry. Mm-hmm. I don't know why, like, when I was younger, I used to think, like, oh, okay, that's okay. And I used to tell that to my, like, little cousins and all that. Like, if they were to start crying, I'd be like, okay, good boys don't mm-hmm. cry or something like that. But now as I get older and I see parents doing that to their children, I'm like, kind of weird. It's kind of a weird thing to say to your kid, like, 
good boys or good girls don't cry, right? Like, yeah. why? So are you saying that only like, you know, bad children cry? That's, I, f- I find that very weird. So it's like, it's, I've come to the conclusion that sometimes something that's normalized isn't necessarily good behavior. Like, yeah. um, if you think that, like, okay, for example, in friendships, right? I used to have this thing where uh, I thought I was a low maintenance friend. As in, like, I would ghost my friends for, like, months at a time, and then I would drop in and, and I pretend like everything's normal. But I've realized now that that's not really how it works. It's, that's not what a low-maintenance friend is. Because it's like, you only come when you can make, when you have free time. It's not when you're making that time for them. So you're treating them as, like, kind of an option more than uh, a choice. Is that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kind of an option more than a choice. So that's something of like normalized behavior, which I thought was normal, but actually really isn't. And it's because I've had friends like teach me along the way, like, you know, this is actually how it's supposed to be done. And then, you know, kind of like self-reflection that I've learned that, okay, this is what's supposed to be done. And another thing is like, I think before 2021, I thought I knew what mental health was, what depression was, what you know, trauma is and all of these things because, you know, you read about them, right? Mm-hmm. But I think a lot of people who are in my position who, like, read these articles, read these stories and just read online and they'll be like, okay, I know what mental health is. I know what depression is. But then when it hits somebody close to you or when it hits you, then suddenly you try and apply whatever you know about it, but it's it's just not the same, you know? So, like, how can somebody who thinks they understand what mental health is you know uh really know if they understand mental health even though it's such like a such a broad and changing landscape i mean that's definitely a good question um in our day and age right where there are more people who are open about mental health um and as the friends of these people do we know enough about mental health to be there for them to be supportive I don't think you can ever know enough. That's, that's my take on it. There is so much to know about mental health and how to be supportive or how to be non-judgmental even sometimes uh, in certain mental, for certain mental health disorders, which is why it's an ongoing process of self-education. At any time, you feel like you just want to no more, you know, just a quick Google search. How do I help a friend who's having a panic attack? Or how do I help a friend who's self-harming? Or what do I do if my friend has uh, attempted suicide, right? Quick Google search, it can clear up so many things. And that's why I say it's an ongoing process because you could find out new things every day, right? We, now we know about trauma, anxiety, depression, but do we know about borderline personality disorder which is more common than we think do we know about uh, obsessive compulsive disorder which affects uh, some people what if it affects your parents and that's affecting you right so i think if you want to educate yourself there are resources out there a little bit of a self-plug you know come over to pocket of care Um, (laughs) but (laughs) there are resources out there a quick google search can help it's it's more of your initiative to take the first step and educate yourself. And that is super, super important. I have um, 
just one question. Like, let's just say I am somebody from the older generation, right? How would you explain depression? Because I think that's one of the most common things I've seen in my circle of friends or, you know, it's just in my circle in general, mm-hmm. right? So how would you explain to somebody from the older generation who thinks depression is just a phase or just you being sad? So how would you go about that? This is tricky, right? Because they tend to associate depression with just being lazy. I guess we got to play to what they know or what they believe. Our, the older generation puts a lot of emphasis on productivity, right? And that's why they see us, if we're not doing anything, that's called being lazy and being unproductive. So we have to explain depression in a way that it's not just being sad. It's not just having no appetite. Uh, it's not just having difficulty sleeping or having suicidal thoughts. It affects how you work and how you study. It affects your daily life to the point that you could possibly get fired because you haven't been showing up for work because you just can't get out of bed. You could fail in class because you can't find it in you to focus uh, in class and you can't find the energy to study. It, it has to, we have to equate it to a medical illness as well because you go to the doctor if you have a flu. That affects you. You can't go to work. You can't go to school, right? If you're sneezing all day, it's the same thing. If you have, let's say, if you have a broken hand, you can't study. You can't do work right? We have to equate having depression as having mm-hmm. a broken hand because that is the only way that uh, they would be able to understand how bad it is, how um, restrictive depression actually is on living your daily life. So it, it's about, I think, playing to your strengths. If you know that they focus on productivity, you got to just mm-hmm. sit them down and just explain like, hey, depression is just like a medical illness. There are medication, you know, treatment for it. There have been centuries of, uh, uh, you know, asylums, mental health hospitals who have used certain treatments to treat depression because it is, almost, it is on the same page as a medical illness. It's something to be treated not just laziness. But again, you know, it, it, it does boil down to if they want to believe you or not. <laughs> but I think sharing resources is super important. So if you can find something that explains depression really well uh, online, forwarding that to them could be pretty helpful as well. Damn, that, that's, a really good, that's a really good analogy. I've never, I never thought about the whole, the whole corporate world or the whole education side of things where they actually take in into account of depression and comparing it to like the quote-unquote physical, mental illness, illness where let's say if you broken, have a broken arm, you actually can't come to work. And depression is such a... It should be belong to one of them as well. And I definitely do agree with you. Yeah. And so, yeah, we pretty much come to an end of this podcast. And... To wrap it up, honestly, I don't know how to wrap this up because we've touched on so many important <laughs> topics and it's so, so interesting. 
I really don't know how to wrap this up. I'm I'm sorry, guys. But Amanda, <laughs> do you have anything you want to plug in? Pocket of care, for example. Do go ahead. I mean, yes. Uh, okay, I'll I'll do a little plug in. Um, I started the mental health account called Pocket of Care, and on there, I'm not only sharing mental health tips and awareness, uh, but also about things that you probably won't. Uh, find resources for such as therapy, um, therapy skills, right? Um, and also some disorders, how to diagnose them based on the DSM-5. That's my psychological Bible. So yeah, just hop on over to there if you want some tips and tricks, some awareness, some cute graphics uh, and illustrations. Uh, but also I think takeaway that I just want to uh, nail in for so many people is how important self-care and self-compassion is in our world, in our daily lives, really. We can be super motivated to do self-reflection and read self-help books, but at the end of the day, are you, are you actually kind to yourself? Are you, do you actually like yourself as a person? Or do you still hate yourself and that's why you're consuming all these self-help books, right? So that's something that's really important. And that's something I think that we all should reflect on. Are we self-compassionate? Oh, wow. I think that's it, yeah. <laughs> okay. Good. Same goes yeah. for two of you, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. De- definitely, Kim, uh, this, this is kind of like an Im- impromptu sharing therapy session. This is what this episode is for me. I'm glad you find it insightful, of course. Yeah, very, very. Like, I think it, it also helps because you're, you, you're very, like, knowledgeable on the field. Because when we were planning to do this, we really wanted to get somebody who was a clinical psychologist or psychiatrist. Like, somebody who was a mental health professional. Because we didn't want to just bring anyone on who knows about mental health. We, you know, because a lot of times... People would come on and like they would just say, you know, very generic and very um, sometimes even you know very questionable things. But having you come on and say all of this, it's it's been very insightful for me, and I'm definitely I think for Lija as well. So you know, thank you for coming on and taking the time. No problem. I was super excited when you guys reached out to me because uh, I've always wanted to do something like this, but I've never had the platform. <laughs> so it's great that you guys reached out. Yeah, no worries. Like, like it's our, it's actually our honor for you to actually come on to our, like, taking out your time, as I've mentioned, to actually record a podcast and an episode with us. So, guys, do actually head over to Pocket of Care, and I've actually read up some posts of it, and it's actually so informative, as well as so aesthetically, visually pleasing as well. It's actually really, really pretty and nice. Cute. So yeah, do head over <laughs> to Pocket of Care and to get your daily dose of a small corner of mental health. (laughs) Yes, that's a tagline. (laughs) (laughs) Yep, that is a tagline. All right. Thank you guys so much for listening to the end of this episode. And we hope to actually see you on the next one. And we hope uh, that you actually get a good insight of the topics that we talk about. So see you on the next one. Thank you, guys. Bye-bye.